Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 215. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I am really looking forward to sharing this interview with you. It's a topic that we really don't talk about often, and that is what happens when the the therapist who is a trusted healthcare provider gets sick. My guest is Dr. Dan Pollitz. Dan Pollitz is an IFS clinician, internal family systems, and you'll hear that when he is sharing his experience as a therapist who is living with cancer. Let's dive right into our conversation. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. My guest today is Dr. Dan Pollitz. Dan, thanks so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be invited along. Well, I feel that the honor is all mine, but I'm grateful that you're here because you are here to talk about a really interesting, important topic, which is when the therapist becomes ill, in your case with cancer. So before we dig into talking about that, can you just start off by telling our audience who you are and what you do? Sure. So I've been practicing for 40 years. Wow. Yeah. 
And uh, I started out, uh, I've been try- I went to Boston University, got a PhD at Boston University, uh, and I stayed here and um, got trained. And I've always been interested in uh, the interface between behavioral health and psychology. Uh, I Right after my internship at the VA, <clears throat> I took a job at Boston Medical Center, BU School of Medicine, as a staff psychologist for the spinal cord injury, the New England Spinal Cord Injury Unit. So my first part of my career, I was dealing with traumatic spinal cord injury and head injury in a rehabilitation center. And it was an interdisciplinary team that I was the psychotherapist or the psychologist for consulting and treating most men, men and women who suffered trauma of this, of a uh, physical disability sort uh, in one moment. They break their backs, become quadriplegic or paraplegic or head injured, and their whole life changes. So it's interesting. I, I look back and and I've I've always, in certain ways, dealt with trauma, but the kind of trauma has has always changed given where my career has led me. So I did that, and I mean, and I got trained as a sex therapist. I'm a certified sex therapist. We had one of the, the urologists at VU Medical was developed, does a clinical trials of Viagra, and I worked on the, he had like a interdisciplinary team doing uh, sex therapy with these guys who presented with erectile dysfunction. Um, I got very interested in couples therapy through the sex therapy thing. I got trained via, uh, with Terry Real and Susan Johnson in couples therapy. So I then I got interested in Couples therapy, couple sex therapy, and then sex addiction. Uh, I worked a lot with um, men with sex addiction. So about 20 years ago, I said, I'm done with working for institutions. I went out and in, into private practice a little north of Boston and developed um, a general practice, but specializing in uh, couples therapy, sex therapy, group therapy, and forensic psychology. So I got, I started getting, the, the, meanwhile, the, this Boston uh, Archdiocese sex scandal was happening. Mm-hmm. I had this expertise in dealing with uh, t- sexual trauma. And so I got hired by one of the law firms who were handling the class action suit with all these guys who had been sexually abused by priests. So I did a whole bunch of work evaluating men, mostly men who were abused uh, by priests in that whole spotlight. If you saw the movie Spotlight, I did a lot of those psychological evaluations, which I continue to do. And more recently, I am I teach group therapy and internal family systems therapy at a local graduate school and, and, and have a general practice, a good, nice practice, and do a little bit of writing. And... Um, do a little teaching, and, and that's what I do. And play golf and tennis and recreate on my free time. And this was all going really well for a long time. Uh, I have a wonderful marriage, second marriage, and um, life is sweet. And then, wow, in July, uh, everything changed. And July of this year? Yeah. Okay. July of this year. So in Kropalu doing a workshop and with my wife was a yoga teacher. And I started to have these symptoms in my, my bowel routine, these changes. 
and they were going. They had been going on for a while, so I had organized a colonoscopy. And when I got when I got back, they had intensified when I was at this at this workshop. And when I got home, I had this colonoscopy. The doctor pulled us into this room, my wife and I, and she said, "You have a large tumor in your colon above your rectum, and it's 95% certain it's malignant." And in that one moment. Um, the earth moved off the axis. Uh, everything changed in a New York minute. I was overwhelmed with existential concerns. I was in shock and outcry, and I just just broke down. And I just remember so vividly, he was showing us these pictures of my colon and this, you know, all these this tumor, and and trying to tell me what what needed to happen. I and I just couldn't, I, I was sort of in shock and disbelief and a sense of unreality. And it's like a portal had opened and sucked me into this alien, unreal world. And they had, I was kind of on the other side of my life and the door had closed and I was kind of pounding on the door to get back into my life. And this was, a, this was going to be it. I wasn't going to be able to get back into my life. And I was stuck there in this altered, altered reality. And I just remember this, I think, says a lot about attachment and secure attachment and how it can modify and modulate trauma and shock and these kinds of events. And my wife, you know, turning to me and said, I, I'm going to get a little sad now. She turned and said, uh, you will not you'll not be alone. I will be with you uh, every step of the way. Wow. And I just like, and this little, this little boy inside of me who had been neglected by his mother and abandoned by her, just folded into Felice, my wife's arms. And these parts of me that were just so in shock and disbelief and fear and sadness and grief just relaxed a little bit as I felt, you know, her presence and uh, that I, I, I wasn't going to be alone on this this ordeal so um and then we you know we we drove home and we um, got into our king-size bed and these king-size emotions just were pouring out of me and um she held me and we just cried and cried and then eventually we took a walk and then these manager parts of me started to, and her, because she's very functional, compassionate human being. And we began to marshal our resources and talk about how to save my life. So I, as I remember this, this memory, the, the, the emotions are happening for me right now. You could probably hear it in my voice. Of course. It's just, you know, I'm still going through it. So it's not that far away from where I am today because I, the, the, the uh, it was in, in July and I've been through the treatment. You know, once we had to kind of stage it, I had to go through all these tests at Beth Israel Hospital in Boston, MRIs and CR, C, CATs and any all the probes up my buttocks and all these things uh, to effectively stage the cancer. You know, it's a stage one, two, three, or four, and how big the tumor was and how they're going to treat it. Meanwhile, my colon had shut down and 
probably as a result of the colonoscopy where they, they took so much samples mm-hmm. out of my uh, colon. It, a combination of the tumor plus the inflammation caused by the colonoscopy that created a, a blockage in my outflow. Oh, man. And so I could not um, evacuate for six weeks, like literally. <gasps> oh, my was, gosh. Um, like, I, like it was 90% block, and I was miserable. As you can imagine, you know. Very like sick. Long, <laughs> imagine like you're really on a really long trip, and you have to go to the bathroom really badly, and you can't. Well, that's what it was for me for about, you know, six weeks. And they kept, I, I kept saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he said, well, look, the only thing we could offer you is that a diversion, meaning that they would have to do surgery and put a ostomy bag. Mm-hmm. In, and that would slow down chemotherapy and slow down the whole treatment and create this whole surgical big deal. And they said, there's, you know, they scoped me and said, there's a little room up there. You could still do it. You know, it's three weeks to chemo. Just see if you can do it. So I said, all right. So I just, you know, batten down the hatches and just used my um, my mindfulness and my supports and my my strengths to cope with this these terrible symptoms of the cancer of the tumor, as well as these existential concerns and the uh, awareness that everything in my life um, had changed. And so for, it, was, it was really, I was, it was a pretty, very difficult um, time as I could try to cope with all these things and um, make it to the chemotherapy. So um, I, I had to withdraw from work and I was, I had parts of me that prided myself on being the opposite of my mother, which was consistent, reliable, validating. And I cannot remember a day that I I didn't go to work that hadn't been planned. And now I was all of a sudden, I was out. I was taken out. I couldn't go to work. And I couldn't figure out a way because these parts that like the super coper and this super therapist manager parts of me were running the show and they couldn't. I couldn't figure out, and I'm a good writer, I couldn't figure out what to say to my patients to say, I can't be with you. I have to leave and put all this energy into getting well. And I couldn't figure out how to say that. So, because of these, these, these protectors that were um, obscuring uh, myself, self-energy and being clear and compassionate and connected and mindful. So what I did was I need help. So I have a peer group. I went to my peer group and I saw a consultation from friends, the therapist friends. And I, I also contacted therapists who, ha- who are going through cancer. Mm. And so I, I reached out. I unblended from like this part that said, oh, you have to do this alone. And I reached out. And got help and figured out how to tell my patients, you know, that I had to withdraw and I would be back and I would let them know when I could resume. And then I realized I had to get 
therapy. And I met Dick Schwartz at a conference a few years ago, and we connected, and I called him up, and he lives like about a half mile from my house. He said, yeah, sure, come over. We'll talk, and we'll, I'll do some sessions with you. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So just to make sure everybody who's listening remembers, Dick Schwartz is the founder of Internal Family Systems, and you're an internal family systems therapist already. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm talking about all these parts. So we, <laughs> we are all multiple personalities. We, are, we have all sorts of parts that uh, we can befriend and that help us do our lives, some of which don't serve us so well and create symptoms. And... Um, IFS is all about getting to know these parts and what we call unblending from them and hearing what they're trying to do for us and what, what would happen if they didn't do what they did. Uh, more about that later. Uh, so I called Dick. He, we started to do sessions. And I started to um, go deep into this, these protectors and try to hear what these parts were trying to, to do for me and what they're trying to ultimately protect. And these, I, I got familiar with this caretaker part and this super coper performing part that always helped me look good and perform well and be successful. And this caretaker part that's really oriented to helping people and taking care of other people. And maybe these were extreme. And there's nothing wrong with these parts. They're great parts, but they were in extremists. And what I found out, which was consistent with uh, Dick Schwartz's and Gabor Matei's perspective on the role of chronic stress and disease, is that I was working way too hard and taking care of way too many people. And it was, these were old, these protectors that helped me survive a family of origin that consisted of my parents being um, loving but neglectful. And so the, the, my therapeutic journey with Dick led me to go deep 
inside into to access what we call exiles in IFS, which hold burdens from early trauma. And what's transformative in IFS is when we get permission from protectors to go deep into Exileville and access these, access these exiles, these little inner child parts that hold these burdens and create a relationship from self, our higher mindful self, to these exiles and hear and witness what they went through and unburden them and then retrieve them out of where they're stuck. So I connected with this little, this young inner child part of me, the six-year-old, who was connected to his mom, who she played with him, and then her sister uh, got killed in a tragic car accident. And my mother had all sorts of un, you know, burdened exiles herself, but she, when her sister died, she was very close to her sister, and her kids were in the car, and they were severely injured. She fell apart. And I, I just remember I went and this little boy was listening to his mother screaming and being hysterical and going like crazy um, in the next you know, room and doctors had to come and medicate her. And, and she was never the same after that. Mm-hmm. Um, she never played with me and she was always sick. She was always she was so un- she was always dealing with some kind of physical issue. Uh, she got addicted to painkillers. She was unavailable inconsistently available, kind of a loving person. She, it wasn't like she was all neglectful, but she would just disappear. And I tried to be- She was super traumatized by what happened to her sister too, obviously. Yes. Not able to be present the same way. Right. Anyway, I go, I went in, I, I, in IFS, um, I went inside to the little boy and, and held him while he listened to him share about how he lost his mother and, you know, the, the, the beliefs he took on that he has to be really good. He has to perform. He has to take care of her. And those became the way I, I operated in my house. My, my older brother was the bad boy. So he, that I couldn't be the bad boy. So I became the, you know, the super performing, achieving cute, cute kid. And uh, I took care of my, my parents by being, not being a problem. So any problems that I had, I would just, you know, deal with myself or, you know, uh, do other things, you know, do sports. Uh, I was very athletic and I would just distance myself from my, my house and create a whole world outside of my house because it was, it was too painful to be there. And so those parts just kind of dominated my personality and got me a lot of very good things, but put me I think under a lot of stress ultimately. Yes. And there was this kind of a chronic, you know, ultimately probably grabbed the whole of this cancer and and you know, mutated the gene or something and you know, here I am. And I'm and I've always been really healthy. I take really good care of myself and do a lot of sports and fitness and stuff. And I just couldn't believe that I could get cancer. I mean it just blew my mind that guy as healthy as I, um, who worked so hard at it, could, you know, could get cancer. And, you know, here I am, you know, so. Yeah, it's like you did everything hard. they say you're supposed to do. I'm sorry? It's like you did everything they say you're supposed to do, like stay, yeah. you know, stay fit, active. I did. 
But um, shit falls from the sky, as they say. Mm. No one's immune. And um, the beliefs in your immortality or not, it can't happen to me, those kinds of beliefs uh, can be shattered uh, very easily because we are fragile human beings and bad stuff happens, especially as we age. And you see it all the time, you know, as you get to be my age and, you know, you see people all around me, you know, your parents start dying and then people get sick and, you know, maybe you say, oh, it's not going to happen to me, but it, it happens. <laughs> it, it, it does. And no one's immune. And word to the wise, stop living under that delusion and realize that you are mortal and vulnerable and it's likely that you're going to lose yourself or lose someone you love. So don't be so, don't take it so personal and grasp the joy that's offered every day because you don't know how long you're going to have to live or be healthy. Yes. In the immortal words of Jim Morrison, no one here gets out alive. Right. Right. But you know, thank you so much for sharing your story and, my heart is really with you in what you went through and what you're going through. I think your story is extremely relatable, but not really talked about much that therapists, just like anyone else, we can get sick. We can be taken out by an illness, even if it doesn't permanently take us out while we're still in our careers. It can take us out of commission for a while. And it's something that, you know, we sort of, Sometimes we trudge through each day or sometimes we happily, you know, flit through each day just thinking that it's we're, we're going it's going to go on forever. Yeah, it's like But that's one of the gifts. That's one of the gifts of this cancer. When I got when the chemotherapy got traction and my tumor shrank and I started things started to flow again and I got back into self and with the help of Dick and and therapy and all of the things that I was doing and all my wonderful my loving wife and my wonderful friends. I came out on the other side and I just said, wow, man, life, I'll never take, I'll never take this for granted. And, you know, I would, I would, I had this deep, I said, I still, I had this like deep appreciation, this gratitude, you know, a gratitude practice that just comes so naturally. I'm like walking along, you know, I'm at walks and there's just look how blue, blue the sky looks and look like those birds. And I'm just so appreciative that I get to live my life and um, have this moment and have this, there's so many good moments. And I want, and, that, and that's why like, I really want to get, that's why I want to talk on your show and write these papers. I just want, there, there's like kind of life after trauma and you can grow from the experience and get to a place where your life has more meaning and purpose you, you you deal with sort of existential concerns. You you, you feel like giving back. You, there's, there's always these changes, which I'll maybe talk about at another time, but there are gifts that come. I mean, no one wants to get, get enlightenment from a trauma, but there are gifts that you can garner along the way if you get the help you need to unblend from these protector parts or these trauma parts and, and get into a more mindful state or in IFS it's called self-energy and can kind of view kind of view it from a little, get some space to view it uh, as something that's not, you don't take so personal, but you see it as just 
what life is about. This is just what life is, you know, life, there's Ill, what Buddha said, like there's illness, aging, and death. And his whole thing was about developing practices by Buddhism that alleviate suffering. And part of it is not to push anything away, welcome everything, and including this pain. And so when I'm in a very di difficult moment, I, I try to keep that perspective that this will change, this won't last, um, and it's nothing, and not to catastrophize around it, not to go into a shell, not to avoid, not to get aversive, and, and not to, to, to go into sort of a woe is me, but to, but to, to, to believe um, that I can, I, can, I can get through this moment and get to the other side and I'll be okay. And, I, and, I, and that's kind of worked for me. And it's worked because I've had such great help that I'm so appreciative. And, um, and I also thank my parts that I have this natural resilience and these parts that help, that are extremely curious about things and, 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 and reach out to people and reach out to literature and reach out to, to psychology stuff to help me understand my life and my role in it and how to get through this and other people's stories of survival. I've always been interested in survival stories and how people get through very ordeals, you know, into thin air and things like that. War stories where, you know, people are subjected to kind of intense ordeals and traumas and they some, they, they emerge. I've always been interested in that. And, you know, that's kind of, I can do that. Now you have one of those stories. I do. I do. And I want to, I want to do that for other people. I hope people can identify with my story and um, take comfort in it. Well, I thank you so much for being my guest. I know we don't have enough time to go into it now, but I'm hoping you'll return for us to talk about how this experience has turned into a process of post-traumatic growth for you because you know, we were talking about that before we started recording and it's, um, I think it's very inspiring. And so if you'll come back, we'll, we will do a part two and we'll talk about. Love, 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 love that. Yeah. Well, I, there's an interesting piece for the, your therapist out there that I'd love to talk about, like how I got back to work. There's probably isn't time and what happened to one of my groups. It was like a really interesting clinical vignette about what happened to one of my groups when I went from like being the super copra guy, hey, enough about me, let's talk about you, to opening up to people's concerns about me and telling them my story and, and, and hearing the love and concern my patients had for me, which I thought something totally different because I was being, I was blended with this, with this part. And when I unblended from it and like was transparent, authentic, People started like sharing with me like amazing, intimate things about themselves and about their feelings about me and their concerns. And it just, you know, touched my heart so much mm -hmm. to, to, to share that with uh, the therapists out there. But yeah. I know what you and I really appreciate the time you've spent with me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your time. And just for now, and we will come back for a second time, but just for now, can you tell everyone where they can find you and what you're doing if they'd like to learn uh, Yeah, more? sure. Yeah. 
Um, uh, my, my website is Dr. Dan Pollitz, D-R-D-A-N-P-O-L-L-E-T-S dot com. Okay, I'll link to that. And my email is drdanpollitz at gmail dot com. I have a blog on psychology today. Oh, okay. It's called When the Therapist Gets Cancer. <laughs> so I go through, I, 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 I journaled when I was getting chemotherapy every other week. I journaled and I wrote a blog about what I was feeling, what I was thinking as this, as these, the chemotherapy was flowing through my, my, my veins. And so I, I, I'm publishing those um, meanderings on, on a blog at Psychology Today. So you can catch that. Yeah, I'll link to that too. Papers I wrote are going to be published, but um, I, I don't have the details to sort of still be considered. So uh, I can, um, I'll, I'll get that out at some point. Yeah, well, people can go to your website, and when those are ready, they can find them, hopefully, through yeah. that. But, yeah. Dan, thank you so much again for being my guest today. It was wonderful to speak with you, and I think that hearing your story will help so many people who are listening. Thank you so much, Laura. I look forward to uh, coming back. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Dr. Dan Pollitz. Such a thought-provoking conversation. and. I'm really grateful that Dan was willing to share his story with us. I think it was a beautiful illustration, for one, of how parts work and IFS can really help even when someone is going through something extremely challenging, painful. That was very hopeful to me. And the other reason why I'm grateful that Dan came on Therapy Chat today is because I've been really thinking a lot about what happens when a therapist becomes ill. How does the therapist deal with it? How do the clients deal with it? You know, what are the practical things from the therapist side? And what are the impacts felt by the clients? And that subject is something that I'm really curious about. It's really been on my mind lately. And when I talk with Lori Gottlieb in an upcoming episode. You'll also hear that I'm reflecting on that idea and it's sort of woven through her book. Maybe you should talk to someone. So look forward to that coming soon. Until then, thanks for listening and be well. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.